send for the women. The women who will pray. The women who have talents, gifts, and resources. To do serious damage to demonic agendas. Send for the women. The women who will mourn. The women who haven't allowed bitterness and hate. To turn them into mere mannequins. The women who aren't so downtrodden. That they've forgotten how to feel. Send for the women who still have the ability to feel and cry. So they might wail against what the devil is doing. Send for the women who will weep and wail. The women who will mourn in sackcloth and ashes. Send for the women. The women who will wake up, everyone around them, calling out, the devil is destroying us. Death is on its way. Send for the women who will be God's warning shout to his people, his alarm system, his tornado signal, his air raid siren. The women who God will use to warn his people of the impending consequences of sin. Send for the women who have a God-given destiny to destroy the power of Satan over God's people by waking them up and calling them to a morning of repentance. Women who would teach their daughters to weep against sin and the assault of the devil. Send for the women. Women who have a destiny to open their mouth and cry against the evil that the devil has put upon God's people. Women who have ideas to be voiced, energy to be released, abilities to be exercised, power to be loosed, spiritual gifts to be expressed, prayers to be prayed. Send for the women who look toward the future. To what they can be, what they can do, what they can say, what they can pray, what they can possess that will bring glory to God. Defeat the devil and see a nation saved. Send for the women. Welcome to the Graceful Warriors Podcast. This is where faith meets fortitude. I'm your host, Monica, and I'm here to walk this journey of life with you. But hello, we have to do it one step at a time. So I am inviting you to join me as we explore the art of gracefully navigating the challenges of this world while staying true to our beliefs and embracing that warrior within. God is calling the body of Christ to rise up. So if you are ready to rise higher and embrace his light, well then, warrior, this podcast is for you. Grab your sword and let's dive in. Oh, hello, hello, graceful warriors. How are you doing this fine week? Oh my goodness, we're at what? Middle of the month. This is really hard to like fathom. I don't know why. It just seems like I'm still like November 1st mindset. And um, everything just seems to be going by really, really fast. So we are on the book called Girls with Swords by Lisa Babir. And it has been a great deep dive into this. It is really learning who we are in Christ and actually grabbing the sword and running with it, knowing the type of weapon that we have. And if you have missed any of the lessons that we have gone through, we are actually on chapter seven um, in Lisa Bevere's book. But if you have missed any of them, please go ahead and look back at the last six episodes. And I would encourage you to listen to those. They are a great deep dive into Girls with Swords book. And so we are on chapter seven called Forging a Sword. 
And this one, to me, I really started digging a little bit deeper, and it really just, it was a great study for me. And um, it was really about, we look at the process of making a sword, and it's a whole like, a whole (laughs) lot like the process of making life. And how I came to that was the way she described fire, water, and pressure. And we know those as tools used to refine metals or to temper steel, create swords back then. And in the process of forging these swords, pressure was applied immediately after they brought it up to temperature, after heating it, you know, to the highest degree that they could get back then. And so I looked at that and I was like, wow, pressure works best when the subject is pliable, right? If if we're not able to adapt, if we don't succumb to that tempering process, we'll just break and, and, and shatter, right? But if we are brought up to this pressure and, and this temperature of the heating temperature, we become pliable. Because, like I was saying, the brittleness, if it's not, it'll just break. And so with the forging of a sword, I looked at that and I was like, wow, how does our life go through this foraging process the same exact way? And it really made me look at the different things of fire and water and 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 pressure and what i noticed was that god uses the elements of fire and water and pressure to refine his sons and daughters in order to like transform our weaknesses into strengths our rigidity into flexibility he hones our shapeless life into one of of sharp and a focused purpose. I mean, when you think about it, remember back on the times where you first became a Christian, you're all excited, you have that first love, you're you're all about the Lord, you're like, I'm going to read my Bible and everything. And then it came to the process of, you were shapeless, first of all. You had a shapeless life. You and I had a shapeless life. We were lost. We were condemned. You know, we had the guilt trip just written everywhere on us. We were guilty, right? But once we come into the salvation aspect of it and accept that, well, now God is able to take our shapeless life and turn it into something. And it has a focused purpose now because every person that comes to the knowledge of Jesus has a purpose and a destiny, and it's honing you in on that. And sometimes, like, we don't know what our purpose is for a long time. We have to search the Lord and say, what is it that you will have me do? I am willing. We search the scriptures, and the Lord can put things on our hearts and speak to us and guide us in the direction that we should go as far as, hey, I want you to look at being 
a life coach. I want you to look at being a financial advisor, you know, whatever it is that the Lord is calling each one of us to do. There is purpose in that. You're going to be able to share the love of God to those around you. And that's God's ultimate goal of sharing the gospel so that none would perish. All would come to the knowledge of Jesus. Right? Amen. Amen. Okay. So in learning all of that, I was like, wow, totally just like blown away. And I sat down and I was like, let me look at water. And I remember during this past week, the week before doing all of this study, I put on like some worship music, just the sounds of, you know, instrumental music. And I began to just praise God for who he is, what I have, how he has blessed me, how he has brought me forward from sin, shame, guilt, all of that. And and to bring me to today. And then in that moment, I was like, it was almost as if like the Lord just brought water into my mind in the way of, have you ever thought, Monica, how important water is to me? And it was it, without him saying that, it was just the power of water, how he showed it to me. And I was like, whoa. He, he opened up the, the firmament, the clouds that are filled with water, the nobody knew what rain was back then. There was a mist that came up from the ground. When God in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 40, the latter half of Isaiah, how it talks about how God cupped the waters in his hand and he poured them over the earth. And you're like, that's how we have our seas, our oceans, our lakes, our rivers, streams, You know, all of that, the brooks, the waterfalls, everything. And then it was like, we are born or we are created in the womb in water. We need water so we don't dehydrate or we get kidney stones or we end up in the hospital. You know, we need water. We cannot live too long without water things happen we start cramping up we start getting kidney stones you know all the different things that we know we need water we thirst for water animals need water they know where the rivers are and the lakes and all of that stuff and then when they pierced his side what does the scripture say that blood and water flowed water flowed when he he was completely dead he he let go of his spirit and so it was just the way he brought water into my mind i was like so water is very important to you lord because you use water you use the elements in so many different ways so it was just one of those like i guess light bulb moment profound moments i guess and it and then when I did this study, I was like, wow, interesting that water is a part of this. And water has so many, it's, a, it's like a compound of contradiction. And we know that water has the power to refresh, 
or overwhelmed. It could gently lift us to the surface on a, on a float or drive us tumbling down into the depths if you just happen to go over the waterfall. It could sink a ship or carry a ship. Water has the power to gently wash and irrigate fields or wipe out cities with a tsunami wave. And water is very, very important in all things. And then I was like, wow. Then there's the element of fire. And I thought about that and I was like, wow, Lord, you know. God uses so much of the elements. And there's, it, it, fire invites us closer to the warmth, the promise of warmth. When you've got a fire in the wintertime or in the fall time, you're out camping, you do fires. But you come too close and it'll burn, right? Controlled fires, they refine. But uncontrolled wildfires will just wipe out land. Fire can safely light the way or lead a path of destruction and ashes in the wake. Fire is at once, it was once humanity's friend to do things and, and, and the enemies and a force of nature to be harnessed but never toyed with. And just, just the mere fact of the ability to, to make and contain fire is one of the talents that sets humans apart from the animal kingdom. Not one animal can create fire. Only mankind can do that. And then to go back to like reforging the sword, we know that under that intense heat, solids either become liquids or the solids even become pliable and we learn to to heat forges to as high as like 3200 degrees fahrenheit in order to combine iron with other alloys and make something sturdy and solid solid as steel you know or just solid to go make those powerful swords back then and the merging of matter yields metals that have the best properties of both and once they're blended so there's like no separation at all. They're cooled back into the water. So that can be shaped as its heated hues shift from fiery white to orange and finally to a dull gray. So you have the finished product. And why do I go through all that? It's a tempering. It's a, it's a refining process. It's what I, why I bring it up. Bring it up. Water and fire are, are also tangible elements that can take on multiple forms, even in our spiritual walk. And as I, as I went through this, this is, there was a purpose to go through just all of those key points. And I'll get to that in just a second. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah 43. And it's like verses one through two. And it says, and this is how I actually came to the scripture by watching The Chosen. And it was the, the scene where Jesus calls Mary and calls her to him the very first time. If you've ever seen The Chosen series. And Jesus comes out and he says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. 
You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. And that has always, like, just kept me peace, you know, have to have peace in my heart and in my mind as I dealt with things through life. It's carried me since I watched that show. And I've read it in scripture, but, you know, as you read, you kind of read things and you're like, okay, okay. And you keep going. You, you kind of miss those things. But when I watched The Chosen, that scripture just like popped on me. And I was like, whoa, I got to go back and go look that up. And since then, it's been like my all-time favorite verse that just, it's like Psalms 23 to me. And what I wanted to know, to bring out about this scripture is that notice that even before water and fire are introduced in this verse, notice that the issue of fear is automatically addressed. In the very first sentence, he says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Because we have no reason to fear, because not only has our Father redeemed us, but we have been individually named and adopted as God's own. You know, sometimes I think it it is actually more reassuring in this context of how they do it. If the promise were attached to if you pass through the waters or the rivers, fire, flame, you know, whatever, however you want to say it, then I could run the risk of being caught off guard. Human nature will go to great lengths to avoid the if passageways, right? If you do this, the consequence of, of that will happen. So we tend to go, well, no, don't do that. But I like how Isaiah penned it here. We know ahead of time that the water and the fire courses of life are going to be unavoidable. They're going to happen. There's no way we can cannot go through them. There's no path that says, well, take a U-turn on Route 29 and go around it and you'll avoid this whole scenario in your life. No. And then... There would be no, no reason for, for God to say, fear not. There would be no reason for God to say, when you go through these things, or if you go through these things. Because that would just be like, that would almost make God a liar, would it not? In addition to the assurance that there will be waters and rivers, fires and flames, wouldn't it also appear that these types of experiences will happen multiple times because he doesn't say when you go through the water or when you go through the fire he says when you go through the waters and the flames plural we're going to continue to go through issues in life while we are here on this earth but the best thing that i realized is that that we're just passing through it that we can't give in to the inclination of murmuring and, and complaining because we're going through it. Because sometimes when we're going through that fire and the water, and, and yes, it's not a friendly place at the time when we're being drugged through it. 
but they are processes to successfully navigate with God Almighty, to go through the refining process and come out beautiful. I mean, I think about like the diamond, the whole process that it goes through. Do you know that tempering process that it has to go through, that when they finally crack that thing open, it is as shiny and beautiful as ever. And if God is going to hone us into our purpose of what he wants us to be in life, we're going to go through it. He's going to actually strip things away, as like I've said in the past episodes. It's almost like going through airport check when God has to look inside our hearts, or as I would say, we have to open up that bag and let God look inside and see what is in our heart to go, no, I don't like this. You need to get rid of these things. You need to give it up. You need to confess. You need to forgive. You need to let go. You know, those things that are in our heart, those things we don't want to admit, those things we hold on to in life. And so going through those things, is a pur- there's a purpose. And a lot of people, this is what I noticed too, is like, a lot of people will go through things, and you could even, even the body of Christ does this. You're like, how you doing today, Miss Mary? And you're at church, and they're, oh, well, the devil's got a hold of my family, or I've just been going through so much attack at home, and I don't know what to do. And and yes, okay, so I give you that. You know, it's not fun going through the fire. It's not fun going through the the tempering process or the, the trials of life. But I've learned during my times of going through the flames and the processes of life, the pressures of life, to, yes, sit there with my sisters in Christ or my best friend and say, man, I am really going through this. I'm confused. I don't understand what's going on. And then we're, that's where that scripture comes in as iron sharpens iron, where that sister or brother in Christ can say, hey, I understand what you're going through. I've been there. But you got to remember, It's powers and principalities, you know, or it's the enemy. And you're like, oh, man, yes, I I keep forgetting that it's not flesh and blood that we are fighting against. It is the powers and the principalities of the dark world. And then here comes the victory of the warrior or the warrior prayer or the warrior stance and saying, no, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I don't care if I go through this pressure and fire and tempering process. The victory is won through Christ already. And it just switches. It totally flips the script on the enemy. But here's what I've also noticed, too. There's just so much that I have learned with this forging the sword concept. Because we are the sword. We are God's sword. We are 
we are his to use as he sees fit. Fire. Fire also represents a declaration of covenant. And how I came across this was that, remember when God provided the fire when he first made a covenant with Abraham? And then later on, when Israel had strayed and they started listening to false prophets, and then God answered with fire as Elijah called Israel to repentance. Then there's the fiery furnace that became a haven for the children of Israel who actually refused to bow to Nebuchadnezzar's idol, which was the infamous story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And yes, we know that the fire did not consume those who did not bow to the idol, but the guards, it consumed them. See, life begins in water, and water sustains life, right? But going through the, the tempering process, we go through the fire, and then we become pliable. For God to able to mold and to make us into what he wants us to be. Because when we give our lives to the Lord, that the old creature, the old man has died and gone. Like Jesus says, behold, this is a new creation. He's molding us and making us into the, the masterful castle, as you could say, right? Yeah, so I just I was just like, wow. You know, and even in Isaiah 48, Jesus says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. And I was like, wait a minute. What is this affliction thing? So let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to go further into defining the word affliction. So we'll be right back after this. Hey everyone, thanks for joining our show today. I just wanted to take a moment and say that I have a special announcement to make. I'm proud to say that our show is now sponsored by Patriot Mobile. Yes, it is. It is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Patriot Mobile is a company that shares our values and supports the causes that we care about, such as honoring our veterans, which you know is near and dear to my heart, helping first responders and defending our constitutional rights. If you need to learn more about Patriot Mobile and their amazing offers, you can visit my website that is with them. It is patriotmobile.com forward slash graceful. Or you can call them. And don't forget to mention this show, Graceful, when you sign up you'll get a special discount. They'll remove the activation fee from the bill right off the bat. So check us out and remember to put in the code GRACEFUL. Now, let's get it back to today's topic. So what does the word affliction actually mean? When I first thought of it, I was like, affliction? 
I automatically thought, like, what do you mean, like, sick? That's what I thought, like, illness? And in some aspects, yes, it does. But it most commonly means, like, suffering under, under physical or even mental distress or difficulties, burdens, problems, pain, trouble, misery, misfortune, hardship. And the list goes on and on and on. And then there are a few references to how God said that affliction meant illness. But the majority of the times it appeared in the word of God and looking it up is to be when God's people experiences basically a smackdown of epic proportions from God to get his point across to a stubborn or hard-headed people or a sinful people. And so I was like, wow, affliction, huh? And that had to, like, that gripped me because it is, it, it, it's actually all part of the tempering process. You know, when I, when I think of affliction, I actually thought of Paul when he had that, he had an issue physically with him. And he would ask God, can you please take this away from me? God says, no, it's to keep you humble, you know? And so there's those type of things there too. And, you know, and I would even go to the, to the fact of saying in, in your own life, what are the afflictions? Since we know that afflictions are the suffering under the physical or mental distress, you know, the difficulties, the burdens, the problems in life. That's what affliction means. What are your afflictions in life? And are you submitting those to God? Are you, are you like throwing ashes on your head and act, acting like, woe is me? I mean, when we go through trials and tribulations, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm getting ahead of my notes, but I'm I'm just flowing here right now with my thoughts. But, you know, Jesus says, consider it pure joy when we go through those things. And you're just like, wait a minute, what? What do you mean, consider it pure joy? Well, here we go right into the the whole uh, I don't even know where to start guys I really don't even know where to start the Lord has just got this going and let me let's take it from here there is uh, the okay so the English standard version I had to get a hold of my thoughts sorry forgive me <laughs> I was I was going with it but I was like, okay, wait a minute, I got to back up because I have all my notes. <laughs> so, but the English Standard Version actually says, um, count it all joy, my brothers. This is in James. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And you're just like, really? You want me to celebrate or you want me to like, you you actually want me to have joy because I'm going through this? We do the complete opposite. You know, it, it's almost like us girls getting up and we haven't done anything with our hair. 
we've got mascara clear across our face, or maybe we didn't take our makeup off and lipstick clear up the side of your cheek and now implant it on your pillowcase. <laughs> Come on, girls. You know we have those times where we lay down and just say, screw it. I'm not taking my makeup off. And we go to bed. And if you don't, okay, admit, I did. <laughs> but to consider it a sheer gift or joy when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, I was like, James, can you, can you be serious right now? I mean, is he honestly telling us to count it joy? And to consider the tests and challenges that pressed upon us from every direction as gifts? I mean, think about it, guys. Imagine calling your best friend on the worst day of your life. And after you tearfully tell her the specifics of unexpected trials on every front that you just went through in your day or at the office or with family, I don't know. And this friend just enthusiastically claims, what a gift. Let's celebrate. You, my friend, are surrounded by your enemies. I think if I heard that, I don't know about you, but I'd probably hang up on her and call another friend that would have the sympathy towards me and go, I'm so sorry you're going through this. You just need a bucket of ice cream. I'll be like, yes, this is what I need. But this is probably perhaps where the clash between our, our human perspective and heaven's view or vantage is the most evident. See, our God loves triumphing over what looks impossible in mankind's eyes. Because it ain't impossible in God's eyes. And he calls calls like an audible or an ambush without any means of, an, of escape and opportunity. I mean, after all, I'm going to think about it. James was the brother of Jesus. So James, he must have had some insight that we lack. Because check us out. Check us out. Wait a minute. Check this out. <laughs> he goes on to say in verse 3, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. How would James know that? I mean, he was Jesus' brother. What did he know that we didn't? Or did he go through the same trials and he saw the result of his faith. I was pretty amazed at that. You know, the dynamics of trials that cause the invisible to become visible again to us when we are like, remember, it's powers and principalities. Then it's like the scales are removed from our eyes and everything is like clear now. See, under pressure, things appear that remain hidden in the, in the absence of difficulty. God wants us to thrive, whether we're under pressure or we're free-floating, that things are fine right now. 
life is not like a a visit to a massage therapist where we get to choose the level of intensity that we enjoy when hardship strikes. She's no one asks you if you like a pressure. Would you like that light, medium, or deep? But see, tempered sons and daughters of God become resilient. We have the capacity to flourish under all types of trials in every season. And it's going through those trials and tribulations in life and to go, you know what? I've been through that. And you're like, really? What did you do about it? How did you get through this? And it's having the humbleness to be able to tell each other that you understand what they're going through and how they fought it or maybe how they did not fight it so you know not to follow in those same footsteps. And I've learned that during a trial tempering, as you could say, our faith will reach its its full capacity or maybe not capacity is not even the right word or our full maturity better. Here's a better word, full maturity level. When we go through those things, that will our faith will grow and we'll start being more consistent in our walk with the Lord. We'll realize the things that we went through, that we need Christ more and more and more each and every day in our life. And there's a renewing of our mind and to put on the full armor of God and to understand that. God is our source of wisdom and that we're going to him and asking him to strengthen our faith, to help us through their trials, to help us through that affliction. That God will mold us and to make us into what his purpose is to ultimately that God will receive all the glory. Because that is the ultimate thing with the Lord, that he receives all glory, all honor, and all of this. And so when I was going through this book of forging the sword, I was looking at things as, as far as like, well, how was the process of crafting a sword similar to forging a life? And that was where I came across this whole thing about fire and water and, and the tempering of us and how we go through it to shore up our our weak places and refine our strengths that God uses some serious force like water, fire, and a hammer, which would be God's rod of correction. God's hand in our life, putting pressure where we need that pressure. It's kind of like letting your, you know, if you have kids, your family and you have kids, and it's like putting that pressure on them so they know how to deal with it when it comes. Let them fall so they know not to do that again. The process of, of sword making is really not altogether different from that of life. I mean, the dance between extremes is a process. 
a major tempering process. And then when I thought about how the tempering produces swords that are strong, but yet they're flexible during that, that time frame, that rods, if you think of rods, they're molded and then they're like twisted together until there's like no telling where one begins and another ends. If you've ever seen that process. And then once they're combined, next comes the hammering, shaping, and polishing before, you know, either the blade appears or that rod. And then it's ready to be attached to the hilt or, you know, that cross, the horizontal cross part of, of the handle. It's called a hilt, which likewise will have to have been processed and tempered in order for it to be a handle. So. Now we know that God uses the elements of fire and water and pressure to refine his sons and daughters in order to transform our weaknesses into strengths. I mean, ultimately, it's like when there's so many songs out there that they say, when I am weak, you are strong. But when I am strong, you are stronger still. I mean, that brings should bring a lot of encouragement to us that God is the ultimate strength, the ultimate, I can't even put it into words really. It's just, I have seen God in my life in such strength, in such consistency, in such power, and in such love that has really got me to go, I really know now what it means do not fear. I really know now what Isaiah 40 in the last half of that, what that, how that describes God and the verse that actually says, greater is he that is within me. I understand all of that now and how big and humongous, like how massive God is. And that when God uses the elements of fire and water to pressure and refine us, that he's he's honing us, he's he's making us into a sharp and that focused purpose. And I was like, I want to go through that tempering process with the Lord, even though it's not fun, no. And I'm not saying, yeah, pick me to go through trials and tribulations and having upset times and, and battling and being on your knees in prayer and that's not what I'm saying is that, that God always says that I have a plan for you that's good and not to harm you and so when I'm going through something I now know that it's it's only for a season that there is victory and and you know what I've also began and to think that if I praise him until the breakthrough, that maybe the breakthrough will come that much sooner because I've decided to go, I'm not going to rip my clothes and put ashes on my head and be in a sulking moment because I'm going through something. I've actually gone, I'm going to throw on my praise jams and I'm going to praise him till the breakthrough and which brings me let me uh, this was not in my notes 
but where is my uh nope hold on one second so all last week during this process i'm going to these notes here i want to read this to you guys during this whole uh process of studying all of this oh i got the wrong notebook hold on All right. So during this whole time of really reading into all of this whole thing about the fire and the water and the tempering process of the of the sword and how it relates to our lives, I spent time with the Lord just in prayer. And this is really what the Lord gave me. And it's it's kind of like a poem, but yet it's not. And I was like, okay, Lord. I will still write this down. And so this is a rough draft version. So forgive me if this is not perfect. Um, I'm waiting for the Lord to to edit it. He is my editor. <laughs> All right. This is called The Storm. And it says, I will praise you in the storm no matter how big the sea, as in S-E-A. I don't care if it's not the norm or what the world seems to be. I will praise you in the storm because, God, you reign in me. And when I see the breakthrough and the dark clouds drift away and the world still in trouble and strife, I will stand on what is true. The rock that can never be rolled away. I will praise you in the storm. I will praise you in the breakthrough. For yours is the glory. And I will praise you forevermore. And so the Lord just gave me all of this. And here's the latter half of this. I will praise you in the storm. For you, God, reign in me. I don't care if it's not the norm. I am the branch of you, the olive tree. I will praise you in the storm. I will lift up mine eyes from the hills, no matter if I am surrounded or what the world seems to be. I will praise you in the storm, no matter how big the sea. And so I just wanted to share that with you as far as like when you're going through something. And there's a whole lot of something out there right now, you know, with finances and the economy and the way it is, the the value of the dollar and the, the, the wokeness out there, you know, and the news media and the negativity on there. And, you know, it's just so much out there. Or if you're a social media person and battling just the ugliness on there, turn to the Lord. You know, there's a verse that I often tell my own soul, my spirit to. Because David did that. David said, even told his own soul, why my soul are you downcast? And so now I tell my, instead of going there, I even tell my soul, I tell, how do I, how do I even say it? I tell my own soul, uh, 
where does my help come from? And I ask myself this every single day. Oh, my soul, I ask you this day, where does my help come from? And I pause for a moment. And then I say, yes, my my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let my foot slip. No, he that never slumbers nor sleeps will not let my foot slip. And I say, yes, you're right, my soul. My help comes from the Lord. Always keep my spirits looking up. Always reminding myself mentally, spiritually, my soul, my spirit, that God is my ever-present help in times of trouble. So when you are going through it, when you are being refined, the refiner's fire, look up and praise him in the storm. And with that, have a blessed day, everybody. Until next week, we're going to skip uh, chapter 8 next week. And I would encourage you to tune in next week. We are going to look at why should we as Christians support Israel? We're going to look at what Hamas is and what it isn't and what the scriptures say about the war in Israel. Something you don't want to miss. So tune in next week for that. So with that, I would say have a blessed week and I will talk to you on the flip side. Bye-bye. Well, as our time together comes to a close, remember, my fellow graceful warriors, that the path of faith is a journey with constant growth and transformation as well as challenges. But stay strong, stay courageous, and let your grace shine bright as ever. If you found inspiration and guidance in today's episode, be sure to subscribe to Graceful Warrior on your favorite podcast platform or even on my page here at Captivate. And share the light with others who are seeking God's path of faith and strength in their own lives. And until next time, keep your hearts open and your spirits abound.